Hey, welcome to Let's Talk with your host, Kelvin Newkirk Jr. Listen, I'm so excited you're here. And let me tell you, this is the perfect podcast for you. Because on this podcast, we're going to have honest, open, and biblical conversations about things people love to talk about. Also about things people hate to talk about. So with that being said, let's hop into it. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk. Um, I am your host, Kelvin Newkirk Jr., and I'm just so excited that you're here with me today, and we are on episode number nine. Isn't that crazy? Uh, We are nine episodes into season number one, and before we get started, or before we go into a topic or anything else, I just want to urge you and encourage you to, number one, pray for our world. And number two, pray for the country of Afghanistan as they go through one of the most troubling times in their country's history. Um, if you have been paying attention to any type of current events, um, you know what's going on in that country. And it's a very sad situation. And so as believers, it is our job to pray for our world and to pray for other believers out there. And not just other believers out there, but other people out there. And so with that being said, I just urge you and encourage you to please pray for the country of Afghanistan. Another thing that has been on my heart um, for me to ask you for prayer about is um, that there was someone from uh, my church home, Seastone Church, that has passed away or transitioned. Um, And so she leaves behind um, an amazing family. And so one thing that I pray is that you keep uh, the McQuat family in prayer. Um, Actually, there's a GoFundMe uh, for her funeral arrangements and all that good stuff. And it will be linked in all of my social media platforms. Um, Also, um, my actual podcast website will direct you to my social media platforms. So you can actually check that out. And I highly encourage that you help, um, number one, support her husband and her family that she's left behind. But not only do that, but I pray that you please um, chip in to help um, pay tribute and pay homage to a very beautiful, beautiful soul. So with that being said, let's get into the meat of this podcast. Let's get into the topic of this podcast. And so this topic really came um, to my mind. I was listening to Darius Daniels, a Darius Daniels podcast, and they were talking about success. They were talking about what it takes to obtain success in their life and what success looks like in their eyes compared to how other people think that they have obtained that success. And so I thought to myself, what if I explained um, success, number one, from a secular view, and number two, from the view of a believer and how they should view success? And so we all know success is something that everyone wants to obtain. It's something that people literally sacrificed their lives for, Um, something that people literally lay down their lives for. They lay down their lives for success. Success is not only sought after in the secular world, um, but also in the kingdom of God. And there are differences in the perspectives of the subject matter. There is, there are different perspectives, there's different viewpoints, um, there's different values and priorities in that. So today, I'm going to explain and list the differences between the societal view of success and the kingdom view of success. Um, And so I'm just going to go through this and I'm going to actually list three different perspectives 
um, and I'm going to show how they differ from one another. And I'm going to use scripture. I'm going to use um, obviously outside sources also to explain this process that's going on. So with that being said, let's get into the first difference between worldly and secular success. And so when I say worldly success or secular success, I'm not saying that that success is necessarily evil, but what I'm saying, what I mean by worldly or secular is something that is outside of um, what a believer would view success. So let's jump in. So uh, let's start with just the definition. So the worldly or secular definition of success, um, this just comes out of the dictionary, like what we would view success as, and that's the attainment of wealth, favor, or superiority, right? And so it's centered on promotion and self-gratification, which we know is temporary, right? Because um, promotion and self-gratification, which is self-satisfaction, um, we can equate that to maybe happiness, right? And that's temporary. That's emotional, right? And so obviously the Bible tells us that what we want to obtain on this earth um, is not really valuable, right? So let's go to James chapter four, verses 14. And it says, you don't even know what your life tomorrow will be. You are like a puff of smoke, which appears for a moment and then disappears. That's heavy. So I'm actually using my Bible app um, on my laptop. So if you hear me switch back and forth, it's totally fine. Um, I've, you know, I want to be as real as I can. And so part of being as real as you can is you just hearing me type and stuff like that when I'm switching back and forth um, in scripture. So let's look at another example, which is Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 26. Let's look at that. And so I'm waiting for my Bible app to load real quick. Okay, boom, here we go. It's the good 26. It says, will you gain anything if you win the whole world, but lose your life? Of course not. There is nothing you can give to regain your life. That's heavy. And that's big. And that just kind of goes to show um, that what the world sees as success may not be what we as believers, what a believer would value as being successful. So let's look at the kingdom definition of success. And so when I say the kingdom definition, I mean the definition of what a believer would believe success would be or what the Bible would note success as. And so um, kingdom success really beats at it on a different drum. And so it really goes by obedience to the glorification of God. Right. So it's not about us. It's more so about God. And so it's centered around what is eternal. Right. Which is ultimately expanding the kingdom of God, which is permanent. Right. Because the kingdom of God is eternal. It's something is it's, it's the is where we're going to go and where we're going to spend eternity. So that's very important to note also. So let's go to Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through Twenty. I'm on Matthew chapter seven. Let's go to Matthew chapter six. Let's see if it'll take me there. Okay, awesome. So Matthew chapter six, verses 19, 19 through twenty. It says, "Do not store up riches for yourselves here on earth, where moths and rust destroy, and robbers break in and steal. Instead, store up." riches for yourselves in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and robbers cannot break in and steal for your heart will always be where your riches are 
that's very important also. So that goes to show um, that we should really store up our our goods in heaven, right? We should store up where people can't come and steal and take from us, right? Where we're here, when we build a lifeline of success here, then we build a lifeline of success where people can literally take it away from you, where it could be gone in just a quick second. I think 2020 has taught a lot of people that, and it really has taught me that, that you can obtain a lot of great stuff. However, it can be taken away from you just like that. But what's really, really important is what is valuable to the kingdom of God. And what a lot of treasures that a lot of people, a lot of churches, a lot of believers have stored up over 2020, I believe, is expanding the kingdom of God, which is something that is eternal, which is permanent. So with that being said, now that we got the definitions out of the way, let me just note real quick that there is nothing wrong with obtaining wealth, right, position or favor um, in this life or on this earth, but it is priority of value that distinguishes the two right so the difference is just the priority of the value do i value what successes i'm going to achieve in the world or do i value what glorifies god that's a question you must ask yourself and if and if one of them outweighs the other one you will know which side you're really leaning towards whether you're leaning towards obtaining kingdom success or whether you're leaning towards obtaining societal success so let's go into the second difference and let's talk about what feeds worldly or secular success, right? And what feeds this is natural talents. You obtain success on this earth or in this world by natural talents, right? And those are things that you are born with. So for example, the ability to run fast, the ability to jump high, um, the ability to rap, the ability to articulate words very, very well on behalf of a company or on behalf of a group of people. That would be an example of your natural talents. Okay, so let's talk about what feeds kingdom success, right? And what feeds kingdom success are spiritual gifts, right? And that's what's given to you by God when you get saved, right? And so when you receive Jesus into your heart, when you receive salvation, you then receive these spiritual gifts. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11. We're going to go from 11 to 16. So let's go to Ephesians Let's go to Ephesians. Let's see if I can find on the Bible app. Quick story. Um, I have the hardest time finding like any book that Paul writes. Like I have so much trouble finding that. I have a Bible with tabs in it and I still have trouble finding the book of the Bible, even with the tabs. So it's really weird. Um, even on the Bible app, I can kind of have a little bit of trouble <laughs> with finding anything that Paul writes. I don't know. It's nothing against Paul. But Lord knows, I'm just, I'm losing it. Okay, so let's go to chapter four, verse 11. Let's start here. It says, it was he who gave gifts to people. He appointed some to be apostles, other to be prophets, others to be evangelists, other to be, others to be pastors and teachers. He did this to prepare all God's people for the work of Christian service in order to build up the body of Christ. And so we shall all come together to that oneness in our faith and in our knowledge of the Son of God. We shall become mature people, reaching to the very height of Christ's full stature. Then we shall no longer be children, carried by the waves and blown about by every shifting wind of the teaching of the deceitful people, who lead others into error by the, trick, by the tricks they invent. Instead, by speaking the truth in a spirit of love, we must grow up in every way to Christ, who is the head. 
Under his control are the different parts of the body fit together, and the whole body is held together by every joint with which it is provided. So when each separate part works as it should, the whole body grows and builds itself up through love. I butchered a lot of words in that in that scripture, but let's go through that because that's really important. So basically what Paul is saying is that he has called us to do different things. So um, to be an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher, those are spiritual gifts. You have a spiritual gift to be an apostle, right? Uh, being a prophet is a spiritual gift. Being able to shepherd or to lead people is a spiritual gift. Being able to evangelize is a spiritual gift. It's something that should not be taken lightly. And that's actually something that you will be held accountable for by God when that time comes, um, when 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 it's time for us to meet him face to face. And so I think it's really important also because it's really, really well to note that you won't get judged by your natural gifts, the gifts you were born with. You will be judged by how you use your spiritual gifts to edify the body. Right. And I'm not saying that you can't mix these two together because there's a lot of people who can mix these two together. For instance, uh, my mentor, he may not like this, but but because uh, he doesn't he doesn't like a lot of gratification, which is fine, which is understandable. But um, I'm going to use him for the example anyway. So um, he is he has the natural ability to lead. He just he's a leader. Right. Like he leads people very, very well. He served 25 years in the Marine Corps. He was he he uh, ranked all the way up to a master sergeant. So obviously he has the ability to lead a group of people and to lead a group of people to effectively do or work a certain thing out or to get a certain task task done. So when God called him to be a pastor, he called him to be a leader of a body of Christ. So that means that the leadership skills that he naturally had growing up, that determination, um, that work ethic that he naturally just had growing up or just before he accepted Christ into his heart, that ended up paralleling into his um, Christian walk and ended up paralleling into his spiritual gift. Now, I don't know if paralleling is a is a real word, but let's just pretend that's a real word here, <laughs> even if it's not. So now that we cover those two differences, let's look at the final difference and the most important difference, in my opinion. And so we're actually going to conclude this episode here. And the reason why I say that is we're like literally like 14 minutes in to this podcast. But this last one is really, 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 really important to me personally. And so let's talk about pain, pain. Let's talk about that because the worldly and the secular view with success when it deals with pain, um, it has a view of temporary or short term, short term pain for success on earth. Right. And it shies away from any long term or permanent pain. Right. So the view of worldly success is to do what makes you happy. Or to suffer now and enjoy life later, right? Like, we all go through that. Like, literally, I'm a college now. I'm a college student right now. And so I actually have two years of college left. Um, I finish um, my associate's degree this December. And I graduate this May. And I will be transferring um, next fall to a university. However, um, there's this viewpoint, with, especially with college kids I've known, is that, like, they, excuse my French here, but they don't mind going through like a literal hell <laughs> to get that degree so that they can relax later on in life, right? Like that's the viewpoint of a college student. 
the, a college student is like, okay, I can stay up all night right now. I can deal with losing sleep right now. I can deal with having these mental breakdowns and these panic attacks over assignments and these anxiety, these anxiety attacks over tests and stuff like that. As long as I can get that piece of paper so that I can get a real job and provide for my family one day. Right. And I think that is so flawed. I think that is so flawed because it embodies happiness, which is temporary. Right. It shows that, hey, you know, I can go through this temporary pain right now to achieve happiness later on. Right. And there may not be any joy in that. It may just be happiness and happiness is an emotion and an emotion is like the weather. One day it's sunny. One day it's cloudy. One day it's raining. And if you live where I live in Jacksonville, um, you know that. One day it could be raining and the sun could be shining at the same time. So um, that just goes to show how temporary and how uh, flaky emotions can be. Now, now that we covered that, I'm not I'm not saying that that view isn't absolutely terrible. But what I'm saying is it isn't a kingdom view. It is not a kingdom view. And let me explain why it is not a kingdom view. Let me tell you why it's not a kingdom view. It's because a kingdom view has a view of pain and loss for eternal gain right so from the perspective it'd be like even though i'm in pain now i have joy looking towards what's after this lifetime because what's after this lifetime is eternal and what i do in this lifetime affects that so i'm not going to spend that time worrying about how i'm going to glorify or gratify my needs instead i'm going to meet the needs of other people who god has placed in my life and god will set provision in place for that but it is my job to make sure that I capitalize on what God has provided for me, the people, the places, the areas, the environments that he's placed in my life so that I can share the message of Jesus Christ so, I, that, so that I can have an effect on people in my own life eternally. So uh, let's look at a scripture in the Bible that really um, embodies that and hones into that. Let's look at Second Corinthians, which is one of my favorite um books in the Bible. But let's look at Second Corinthians um I think it's four. Let's go. Let's check and see real quick. Let's check and see real quick. Second Corinthians chapter four. Okay. Let's go there. So we're actually going to start at verse number five. We're going to start at verse number five. We're going to go all the way to 18. So this is what it says, for it is not ourselves that we preach, we preach Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus sake. The God who said out of darkness, the light shall shine is the same God who made his light shine in our hearts to bring us the knowledge of God's glory shining in the face of Christ. Yet we who have this spiritual treasure are like common clay pots in order to show that the supreme power belongs to God, not to us. We are often troubled, but not crushed, sometimes in doubt, but never in despair. There are many enemies, but we are never without a friend. And though badly hurts at times, we are not destroyed. At all times, we carry in our mortal bodies the death of Jesus, so that his life also may be seen in our bodies. Throughout our lives, we are always in danger of death for Jesus' sake, in order that his life may be seen in this mortal body of ours. This means that death death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. The scripture says, I spoke because I believe. And in the same spirit of faith, we also speak because we believe. We know that God 
who raised the Lord Jesus to life will also raise us up with Jesus and take us together with you into his presence. All this for your sake. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, they will offer to the glory of God more prayers of thanksgiving. For this reason, we never become discouraged. Even though our physical being is gradually decaying, yet our spiritual being is renewed day after day. And this small and temporary trouble we suffer will bring us a tremendous and eternal glory, much greater than the trouble. For we fix our attention not on things that are seen, but on things that are unseen. What can be seen lasts only for a time, but what cannot be seen lasts forever. He's talking about expanding the kingdom of God. He's literally talking about the fact that even though we're going to endure trouble and we're going to endure pain and all that good stuff on this earth, or not all that good stuff, but even though we're going to um, suffer on this earth, we are still building towards something that is more eternal, right? So that's why we fix our eyes on what's eternal. That's why the kingdom view of success fixes its eyes on what's eternal and not what's on, not what's going on now. Because if we fix our eyes on what's hurting or what's bad, we probably will lose our faith in Jesus Christ. But because we have eyes that are fixed on what's eternal for us, we no longer fix our eyes on what glorifies us. We fix our eyes on what glorifies God. And so this all sounds good, right? This all sounds good, someone may be saying. But what I want you to understand in this is that life won't be perfect for people. We're not called to live a perfect life as believers. But what we are called to do is we are called to literally be disciples. We're called to be followers. And so even though our lives may not be perfect, as we follow God, we should set the example for other people. Not for the fact that we're perfect, but for the fact that I know how to follow Christ. I know what to do to follow Christ. I know how to effectively follow Christ. And I want you to see how I do that. And that's discipleship. Like Paul was a perfect example of someone who literally suffered in the Bible but literally raised up all of these leaders and teachers and amazing people that would impact the Christian world even after his death. Like literally his whole life as a teacher, as a leader, literally was filled with trouble and strife and pain. But his eyes were not focused on what made him successful on earth. His eyes were focused on what will make him successful eternally, which is bringing people to Christ. Because on earth, you're judged by how good you do, how much money you make, how much revenue you bring into your company, how much people you you put on to a business plan or to or to an area um, of life that they have never encountered before for the good. However, kingdom wise, you're deemed successful by the fruit that you bear and by the people that you impact by the fruit that you bear, the lives that you bring to Christ, the lives that you lead to Christ. That's how successful you are determined to be in the kingdom of God. So this is what I want you to remember today. I want you to remember that our pain does hurt, but it doesn't outmatch the joy and the glory on the other side. So I urge you and I highly, highly encourage you to pursue kingdom and not culture. Because kingdom will always steer you in the right way. Culture will always steer you in a way that will probably lead to ruin. Because kingdom will always show you the joy that's before you. While culture will always show you 
the hell that you're living in right now. And we're not in this world. We're not in this world to try to avoid the hell that we're living in. We're in this world to get ready for the heaven that we're eventually going to live in eternally. So with that being said, I love you. I appreciate you all. And I thank you for joining me. I will catch you next week. Goodbye.